The information provided in this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice. Before making a health decision, please consult with a qualified medical professional. Thank you for your attention and enjoy today's episode. What is up, cooties and germs of the internet? My name is Tony and you're currently tuned into Hemp Nerd, the podcast that helps clarify how medical cannabis works so you can get reliable therapeutic results. Now, in today's episode, we're going to be answering the question, does CBD oil work for gastroparesis? Now, if you are new to the Hemp Nerd podcast, what we normally do first in the first portion is understand the problem. So we're going to dedicate a bit of time to understand what gastroparesis is. Once we do that, we then shift the episode to understanding whether cannabis or CBD oil, more specifically, can actually work for gastroparesis. So with that said, let's get into today's episode. So where we're going to kick things off is to firstly understand what gastroparesis is. So gastroparesis is described as a condition that affects the normal movements of muscles in your stomach. The result of this is that food stays in your stomach longer than it should. Your doctor may refer to this as delayed gastric emptying. Now, strong muscle contractions actually move food through your digestive tract. However, if you have gastroparesis, your stomach's ability to move food through your digestive tract is either slowed down significantly or doesn't work at all. This prevents your stomach from emptying itself properly, causing a number of complications, such as heartburn, acid reflux, bloating, stomach pain, or just an upset stomach, vomiting, undigested food, gastroesophageal reflux disease, or GERD, hopefully I pronounced that correctly, feeling Food quickly when you eat, lack of appetite and weight loss, trouble controlling blood sugar. What causes gastroparesis? Now, according to the medical community, the cause of gastroparesis is largely unknown. For most people, it's unclear as to what brought on their gastroparesis, as doctors cannot determine its exact cause. However, the medical community has identified that gastroparesis affects women more than men. I don't know why, and I couldn't find a clear answer as to why either. Now, though unclear, the medical community believes that gastroparesis is caused by the damage of a nerve cell called the vagus nerve. So they believe that could be one of the major causes of gastroparesis. Your vagus nerve helps manage the complex processes of your digestive tract. One such process is the signaling of your stomach muscles to contract and push food into your small intestine. A damaged vagus nerve cannot send signals to your stomach, preventing them or preventing your stomach muscles from actually functioning properly. This causes food to remain in your stomach longer than necessary instead of moving into your small intestine to be digested. Your vagus nerve can be damaged by diseases such as diabetes, for example, or by surgery to your stomach or small intestine. Diabetes is the most common known cause of gastroparesis, or what I like to say, the most common documented cause of gastroparesis. It actually damages your your nerves, including your vagus nerve and specific cells in your stomach. Medications such as opioid pain relievers, antidepressants, high blood pressure medication, and allergy medication can lead to slow gastric emptying, causing symptoms similar to gastroparesis. 
gastroparesis. So don't think of it that just because you're taking these things, you actually have gastroparesis. They, it can cause similar symptoms to gastroparesis. It's not a stretch to say that, you know, these taking these medications with diabetes could actually lead to you actually having gastroparesis because it seems like that's a buildup to the actual condition. If you already have gastroparesis, then taking these medications that I just uh, previously mentioned could actually make your condition much, much worse. Now, other documented causes of gastroparesis include hypothyroidism, gastroenteritis. So obviously hypothyroidism is the, a lack of thyroid hormone. Gastroenteritis is a viral stomach infection, Parkinson's disease, multiple sclerosis, amyloidosis. I think that's how you call it, amyloidosis. This is a deposit of protein fibers in tissues and organs. Scleroderma, a connective tissue disorder that affects your skin, blood vessels, skeletal muscles, and internal organs. So all of those are other documented causes of gastroparesis. Now, what are the actual symptoms of gastroparesis? So it is said that many people with gastroparesis do not display noticeable signs or symptoms. However, we know that gastroparesis interferes with regular digestive processes. The interference with digestion is known to cause the following symptoms. So complications with blood sugar levels and nutrition, nausea and vomiting, feeling full after eating a few bites of food, vomiting undigested food eaten a few hours earlier, acid reflux, abdominal bloating and pain, lack of appetite and weight loss, and malnutrition. Now, what are the current treatment options for gas gastroparesis? According to the medical community, there is no cure for gastroparesis, which is a bit sad, but hopefully we can find one. And hopefully this can lead to one looking at medical cannabis. And depending on the cause, gastroparesis can potentially be chronic, uh, which means it can just last for a long time. Yet there are steps you can take to manage and control it in order to gain some form of relief instead of suffering for the rest of your life when you actually do get this condition. Well, now, one of the best ways to control gastroparesis, according to the medical community, is to change your eating habits, um, which goes for a lot of conditions, I personally believe. Um, now, your doctor may refer you to a dietitian to make sure you get the correct nutrition. Uh, your dietitian may recommend you having six small meals a day instead of three large ones. This reduces the amount of food in your stomach and stops you from feeling too full too soon. And having more fluids and low residue foods such as applesauce, low-fat broths, soups, juices, waters, and sports drinks. That one I found interesting, sports drinks. Everything else was like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But sports drinks, I don't know, when I was doing my research with this on this particular topic, I was like, sports drinks, that's okay maybe the electrolytes maybe the sugars because your body obviously is not being is not able to digest well enough so maybe that's why the, that's that's just me this is just a side note anyway let's get back to the topic um now if you have diabetes controlling your blood sugar levels will prevent you from having any serious issues your dietitian may recommend avoiding high fat foods and high fiber foods Another one that I found interesting with the high fiber foods. So it says here that high fat foods slow down digestion and high fiber foods are generally hard to digest. And I'm not a dietitian, I'm not a medical professional, so I don't know for certain, but I found the high fiber food side of things pretty interesting because my personal belief leading up to this point has always been that high fiber foods are actually good for digestion in that they allow you to pass food through your digestive tract and digestive system a lot faster and a lot smoother and it actually allows you to break down, well, I don't know about the breaking down 
of food in your stomach but with your small intestine large intestine i was i was under the personal belief that high fiber foods fiber is actually good for passing food along so when i read that high fiber foods are hard to digest that was interesting that, was, that took me back a bit but i put it there because that's what the research said that came from the medical community at this stage i do have some trust with the medical community it's just the side of medical cannabis where it's like where i can see there's a divide between pro-cannabis and anti-cannabis that's where now i actually pick sides and of course me doing this podcast and me putting this content out there i'm obviously siding with the pro-cannabis medical community and i'm digging through to see what they're finding doing my best to present that to you and hopefully we can uh, form a foundational understanding of how it works so we can use it to actually alleviate symptoms and maybe even potentially get to a point where we're able to cure certain diseases I don't, I hope that's like a big fat dream of mine that we can get there um, as a collective but for the moment in regards to treating symptoms i think it's um it's the way to go because i find it's more tolerable tolerable um amongst a lot of people based on the research that i'm reading and also that the the side effects are minimal and next to none especially if you use it properly and you know what you're doing which is what i'm trying to help people um help you as a viewer or as a listener depending on how you're consuming this particular episode i'm trying to get you to understand and uh, so you can use this stuff properly moving forward anyway let's get back to the topic rant over your dietitian will help you find other foods that you will enjoy and um, are easy for your stomach to digest and it's also said that gravity can help with the digestion as well as keeping food and or stomach acid from traveling up your throat so it's generally recommended not to lie down for two to three hours or that two to three hour window after eating but to actually go for a walk instead to assist the digestive process side note this is something i actually believe in and it's something i actually do practice as well so generally after eating within that two to three hour window i tend not to lie down i tend not to sit down for too long i actually like to actually go for a walk and um yeah just let gravity help with the digestive process let my body absorb what it needs and then get rid of what it doesn't need and hopefully it's doing that process correctly uh properly and um yeah i i believe in that and i've seen it work and it really helps so i recommend you do that if you're not doing it already now back to the topic depending on the cause your doctor may recommend prescription drugs as well now one example is one called metoclopramid i think that's how you that's how you pronounce that one um i didn't go to medical school so i didn't i didn't get taught how to pronounce these medical terms or should i say these it's not even medical terms this is the name of a drug anyway normally you take that before having a meal and what it does is it causes your stomach muscles to contract and move food along and it helps with an upset stomach and with vomiting as well now its side effects include diarrhea drowsiness anxiety and in rare occasions you may get a serious neurological disorder which to me doesn't sound good i don't you can say it's it's like one percent rare the fact that it is it is possible there's a potentiality of it occurring uh, to me is a red flag it's a no-go zone like it's something i would i wouldn't want to take for myself and it's something i wouldn't recommend anyone taking hence why again we're looking into medical marijuana which is pretty is coming up pretty soon another example is another drug called erythromycin or mycin it's an antibiotic that also causes stomach contractions to help move food along its side effects also include diarrhea and if you take it for too long the development of treatment resistant bacteria and you may also be prescribed antiemetics i think that's how you pronounce that one antiemetics which help keep nausea under control and all of that can be done i mean the nausea i don't know about the moving moving your the contractions of your stomach i don't know if medical marijuana has actually been proven to actually help with 
the contractions of your stomach to help move food along. I do know, I mean, it's it's pretty well known out there that when you when you smoke cannabis, you actually do get the munchies. So that does, you know, I don't know if that has to do with your stomach contractions. I'm hoping that there are some studies that do come out that look, investigate that to see what causes the munchies and what actually happens biologically in our digestive tract, maybe neurologically as well, that causes the munchies. And does that actually, um, you know, make our stomach muscles contract? And maybe if, if they can, if some investigation is done in that regard, and then maybe that can help with um, shedding more light on, is it gastroenterology? Is that how you say it? Like conditions like this, like gastroparesis and gastritis, for example, it can help explain a few things and it can help us maybe find, um, this is what I'm thinking, this is what I'm thinking, right? If they do investigate it and they do find, yes, your stomach muscles do move, then we would know exactly how much you need to take to trigger the munchies for people who've got gastroparesis or gastritis. So if the, the stomach muscles do move, then we know how much to take to actually make those stomach muscles contract so we can move food along. I don't know something for the future something to investigate and we first of what we need to get sophisticated enough as well to investigate that uh your doctor may also recommend injecting uh botulinum toxins such as botox into your pylorus your pylorus is a valve between your stomach and your small intestine right injecting botulinum toxin into your pylorus relaxes it to keep it open for longer so your stomach can empty so if you're injecting a botox into your pylorus who's to say that we cannot inject a cannabinoid maybe i don't know if it's thc i don't know if it's cbd i don't know if it's one of the other 100 plus cannabinoids but who's to say that there's a cannabinoid in there that does cause the munchies or causes your your stomach muscles to contract that we could inject or ingest we don't even have to inject it we could ingest it and then that could cause our stomach muscles to contract to allow us to move food along again we need to get sophisticated in the use of medical cannabis to get to the point where we can actually identify a cannabinoid or two or three or maybe we just still need to stick with the entourage effect and that could help with conditions like gastroparesis i don't know but I, it's, I personally believe it's worth investigating and we need to, as a collective, get to that point. Now, depending on the severity of your condition, your doctor may be required to give you a feeding tube, which is, does not sound sexy at all. Now, a feeding tube bypasses your stomach to get nutrients direct into your small intestine, right? This enables you to get nutrients into your bloodstream and, uh, and to do it faster as well without being held up in your stomach because that's where obviously the problem is. And another form of treatment your doctor may recommend is electrostimulation. This is where electrodes are attached to your stomach wall to trigger digestive contractions. If your condition is severe enough, your doctor may recommend POP surgery. Now that sounds sounds nice, but it's not nice. POP stands for per oral pyloromyotomy. This is where your doctor uses an endoscope to cut your pylorus so food can empty into your small intestine easier. So cutting the valve so food can just pass through. Doesn't sound cool, doesn't sound sexy at all. Surgery is known to occasionally also cause ga gastroparesis. However, patients with obesity and diabetes tend to be elected for gastric bypass surgery. Um, this is where surgeons create a small pouch at the top end of your stomach and attach it to the lower section of your small intestine. This procedure limits the amount of food you, uh, you eat. And if your cause is severe enough, you may require intravenous nutrition. This is where nutrients are sent straight into your bloodstream, bloodstream via a catheter in a vein in your chest or through your chest. This specific procedure is used for a very short time by doctors. So all these procedures, like this is pretty much the end of the current treatment, right? And where we've ended up with the current treatment, it all seems to be like 
heading to surgery like if you're if you don't change your eating habits from three meals to, to six meals if you don't change the quality of the food you're eating from more solids to liquids and um, and if the medication is not working um, none of those fancy drugs fancy named drugs anyway are working in that you know that if they're causing more harm than good which is pretty much what's happening at the, most of the time like 80 to 90 percent of the time which is why a lot of people are looking into CBD oil and medical cannabis is because 90 I'll even say 95 percent of the time it's like it's a very high failure rate with the with the, these pharmaceutical drugs like I have not come across someone who says I took this pharmaceutical drug and it 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 saved my life right it's 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 a very high failure rate which is why a lot of people are looking into medical cannabis this is why I'm looking into medical cannabis because for me this is like a preventative exercise right i don't want to be in a situation i don't want my family members to be in a situation whereby we get hit with one of these conditions and we have to rely on pharmaceutical drugs um, because of our lack of understanding and because maybe or because of our ignorance to medical marijuana or medical cannabis and how it actually works with our body how it interacts how we should use it how what the dosages are and all that jazz the point i'm trying to make is it becomes more like the more the pharmaceutical drugs fail the the medical treatment becomes more invasive basically you're looking at surgery you're looking at surgery you're plugging tubes in you're getting feeding tubes and all that bypassing your stomach like that's no longer treatment i don't know i don't even know if we can call that treatment anymore because you're not solving the problem we're not we're not treating any symptoms we're just like we're literally just bypassing the stomach at this when we go to surgery in this with gastroparesis we're literally just bypassing the stomach and going straight to the small intestine and then just making sure that you're getting nutrients but we haven't actually we're not even, we're not fixing the problem anymore and i thought that's what the medical community was there for to help us fix you know our mechanical physical problems with our bodies especially with gastroparesis like it becomes very invasive like towards the end of it does cbd oil work for gastroparesis this is this is what we're here for this is what we've come for this is what this is what our, um this is obviously why you're here this is why you're watching or listening to me depending on whether you're you're consuming this via audio via video this is what i want to know as well as as a curious independent researcher slash yeah researcher so does cannabis work for gastroparesis now cannabis improves the symptoms of gastroparesis dramatically and this statement comes from uh, a result that i found from a 2019 study that demonstrates the effectiveness of cannabis for the treatment of gastroparesis symptoms which is exactly what this study set out to investigate so the study selected 24 patients with gastroparesis and refractory symptoms refractory symptoms means that the, um, the symptoms were resistant to treatment prior to the study so they may have taken all the drugs that we mentioned much sure if they actually had the surgery so my understanding is maybe it, it's it, they got up to the stage of the drugs right they didn't get to the stage of surgery and they their symptoms were, were resistant to treatment up to this point so to assess the effects of cannabis the researchers used the gastroparesis cardinal symptom index and an analog one to five ratings uh, scale for abdominal pain just to measure what what level like let's say for example one to ten how bad is your pain or one to five in this case for for abdominal pain one to five how how bad is your pain five is like crazy one is like there's nothing and then there's they've got this G, gcsi gastroparesis cardinal symptom symptom index and let's say let's say they use a scale of one to five as well five is oh i, I feel it all the time or it happens all the time and one or oh, it's it's better or it's improved or it's alleviated so patients rated the abdominal pain and completed the gcsi form before and after 
cannabis treatment and there was a minimum time window of 60 days of cannabis treatment between reporting intervals. So measured the measured where they were at or the tracked where they were at before treatment. Then there was 60 days of cannabis treatment, so two months, and then measured again after the 60 days. So I think 60 days is ample enough time to see if there's any improvement. And the patients were prescribed with either dronabinol, medical marijuana from a dispensary or both. Dronabinol is a synthetic cannabinoid used to treat appetite loss, nausea and vomiting um, to prevent weight loss in AIDS and cancer patients and the cannabinoid um, the specific one is actually THC, a synthetic THC. That's what's in dronabinol. The patients that received both cannabis treatments in the study received them sequentially if dronabinol did not provide adequate symptom relief. For you to know, for your own personal knowledge, um, so there are patients who received both dronabinol and medical marijuana. So there's dronabinol, there's medical marijuana, and then those people who received both. So the people who received both, the way it worked is that they had dronabinol first. And if dronabinol didn't provide adequate um, relief or adequate adequate symptom relief and then they were transitioned into medical marijuana which they got from a dispensary so if you don't know what a dispensary is it's like going to a pharmacy and getting instead of getting your pharmaceuticals you're actually going to get medical marijuana all right and you're buying it from there so again we don't know what strains they were getting we don't know um what the concentrations of the strains that they were getting and we don't know if they were what form they were getting whether it was the flour the oil it was baked in a bunch of cookies we, we don't know that information all we do all we do know is that they're getting medical grade marijuana or medical grade cannabis from a medical cannabis dispensary what we do know is that it was very it was very clean and the patients themselves when they were in this in the dispensary they know what they were getting we just weren't told what they were getting but they so it was a very they were getting very clean products very controlled and clean products at the end of the day we just don't know what they were so results from the study revealed a significant improvement in the GCSI total symptom composite score and a statistical uh, significant improvement in every GSI or GCSI symptom subgroup so the overall score improved and the subgroups of the symptoms improved the study also reported a significant improvement in the patient's abdominal pain score after treatment and the patients reported a significant improvement in no vomiting, fullness after eating, bloating, and abdominal pain. So those are the different subgroups. According to the researchers of the study, cannabis represents a new treatment in this difficult to treat and burdensome condition. All right, because we, we know from the beginning that the medical community considers gastroparesis incurable. Um, cannabis clearly benefits patients suffering from gastroparesis symptoms because results from the study show a dramatic and significant improvement in their symptoms. Pain control is important in gastroparesis, according to the researchers of this study, because up to 90% of gastroparetics report abdominal pain. Abdominal pain was significantly improved with cannabis treatment, and this role in pain management represents a breakthrough for gastroparesis-associated abdominal pain treatment. Overall, side note, overall pain in any condition is important. Like, you, no one wants to walk around in pain all the time, wherever it is. No one wants that. So, we all out the gate we know that medical cannabis is good for pain out there and if you if you're a regular listener or regular consumer of the hemp nerd podcast we already know from previous episodes that the most effective combination for pain management pain treatment or pain control with cannabis is a one-to-one ratio of thc and cbd so to me at this point in time it seems to me like it's a bit of a crime by the authorities to limit the amount of THC in a CBD product in the US by 
to a maximum of 0.3% and in Europe to a maximum of 0.2%. Like to me, that is daylight criminal activity to have regulations to say that you cannot have more THC than 0.02 or 0.03. When the medical community has known, I mean, according to the studies I've seen so far, like as far back as 2010, maybe even earlier, that a one-to-one ratio of THC and CBD is highly effective for pain relief. I mean, and, and I'm referring to a cancer patient study where opioids didn't work for these patients. The patients actually reported inadequate pain results. However, this, the, when they took, um, was it, did they, did they have Sativex in that study? Or was it just another um, um, cannabis-based medicine that had, but still had a one-to-one ratio. The study reported a one-to-one ratio. I remember reading it as clear as day. It's one of those that stays in the top of your head. It had a one-to-one ratio of THC and CBD. And the, like the minimum pain relief improvement was 30% or more. Cancer pain. Right? And this is not your everyday weightlifting pain or I bumped my toenail or I've got a headache or I've got, you know, I've got tension in my neck that's causing a headache or no, this is cancer pain, cancer pain. Like I can't even imagine what that feels like. I don't even want to know what that feels like. But what I do know is that patients in 2010 reported that medical cannabis in a one-to-one ratio of THC and CBD improved their pain relief dramatically or drastically. And it was way better than any opioid they had had up to that point. So to me, it seems like it's a, it's a bit of a crime that regulations are limiting the amount of THC a company can produce, you know, in a CBD oil product, full spectrum product. Like it's, it's a crime, why, why hold it back? Now back to the topic, right? So the study represents one of the first studies analyzing cannabis for the treatment of unyielding gastroparesis symptoms. Other therapies have rarely, um, rarely shown such beneficial results and cannabis represents a major treatment breakthrough for this particular condition. In the words of the researchers, they observed that when both cannabinoid treatments were analyzed individually, both therapies resulted in an improvement in the GCSI composite symptom score. All GCSI symptom subset scores and abdominal pain scores as well, though bloating with dronabinol treatment did not reach a statistical significant level. When compared directly with uh, when, com- when compared directly, marijuana was superior in improving overall symptoms, though this seems mainly driven by significant superiority in improving abdominal pain. So that statement there from the researchers is telling me, and maybe it's telling you as well, that when comparing dronabinol, which is a synthetic cannabinoid, a synthetic THC, versus medical marijuana grown from a farm and then, you know, treated properly to a point where it's for, available for sale in a dispensary, that that medical marijuana actually performed way better than dronabinol in regards to pain symptoms and bloating. Because bloating... The bloating symptom with dronabinol did not show any statistical significance in improvement, where with medical marijuana, every single one of the symptoms showed statistical significance. And it also seemed to be a more superior solution when com- based on the results from the patients, because the, the researchers believe that the medical marijuana that was grown bought from a dispensary that obviously went through the normal growing processes was not synthetic displayed significant or statistically significant uh, or better let's just keep it simple they just had better abdominal pain results compared to dronabinol not to say that dronabinol is crap or anything like that it's also it's it's actually a really good it's a good product i mean the only place it failed was bloating but everywhere else it, it provided pain relief and and everything else 
So patients actually had an improvement in symptoms, but when you compare it to actual medical marijuana grown properly, it failed in comparison. It's like holding a candle in the sun. It failed in comparison. Mar medical marijuana kicked its butt. That's what that statement's pointing out to me. Maybe it's pointing out to you. If it hasn't, hopefully that kind of did. So the researchers concluded that the study, concluded the study by stating, and this is in their words, cannabinoids dramatically improve refractory gastroparesis symptoms including abdominal pain. Marijuana may be superior to dronabinol in improving these symptoms, though both cannabinoids seem to be promising as a novel therapeutic option in gastroparesis, which is basically what I kind of said, but then they've added to it as well. And that, and that was my opening statement, that cannabis dramatically improves the symptoms of gastroparesis, and in this case, refractory gastroparesis. And if you've forgotten, or if, you, if it, it went over your head the first time, refractory means that this refractory gastroparesis basically means that the the symptoms were resistant to treatment in it, from whatever other medication that they were given before. Because I'm presuming that they have not gone through surgery at this stage. Like these patients did not go through surgery. They just tried all the different medications available uh, pharmaceutically. None of them worked. In fact, they, they were resistant to those, you know, their symptoms were actually resistant to that treatment. So, you know, okay. and, they, and then we just introduced medical cannabis and all of a sudden, boom, you know, things actually turn around and they actually, st people start improving. Now, in addition to this study, right, I found an anecdotal patient story published in the Canadian Digestive Health Foundation website. Now, this story documents Joanne's medical journey from being diagnosed with gastroparesis, hypothyroid, irritable bowel syndrome, GERD, acid reflux, fibromyalgia, osteoarthritis, and degenerative disc disease. Right, she had this, I can't even call that a cocktail, she had this platter of diseases, which again, I wish I'd known and I wish she didn't have to go through this, but here we are. So she it documents her journey from being diagnosed with all these conditions to using medical cannabis to successfully manage her symptoms, not just with gastroparesis, even though that was the first one, but all these other conditions as well. So now I personally encourage you to actually go read her full story. Link The link to that will be on the blog post, hempner.co, um, the CBD oil work for gastroparesis. You're going to find the link to her story there so you can read it in full and see for yourself. Just you know, read the details of what she actually had to go through to get to the point where she was using medical marijuana and actually started working for and actually started improving and enhancing her quality of life. However, what I'd like to actually highlight is just how medical cannabis had a positive impact in her life because we already understand we, we're here we're here because of gastroparesis, right? So when Joanne started with cannabis treatment under medical supervision, she began um, on an indica strain. Um, and if you don't know, there's, there's three types of strains, but two are super popular, indica and sativa. Um, the third one is, I think it's called ruderalis, but it's not too popular um, or it's not too well known. Two most well known ones are, yeah, indica and sativa. So she started with an indica strain. The indica one for the recreational community, what they'll tell you is that the indica strain is what gives you like a body high and the sativa is what gives you a, a brain high. It gives, gets you excited, gets you creative, gets you a bit euphoric as well. Where an indica strain, which is where Joanne started, gives, make, it mellows you out, it gives you a body high, it makes you relax. And if you, I, I guess this is one that's good for people with like muscle pain and anything like that, it re relaxes your muscles. So that's what she started with. And it was actually high in CBD and THC in a dried flower form. Okay. She now actually utilizes, according to the story that I read, uh, CBD oil, THC oil, vape flowers, edibles, and even makes her own cannabis infused lotions. 
Now, Joanne states that she takes her CBD oil twice a day, in the morning and in the afternoon, and she takes her THC oil at night. She vapes during the day to combat any severe nausea that she may experience, as vaping has very fast active effects. She uses edibles because she has they have a long-lasting effect and they're more affordable to her as well. So obviously, there's budget being con uh, concerned, um, budget is being looked at as well. And she, her can, and her cannabis lotions help her with her osteoarthritis and her degenerative disc disorder flare-ups as they occur. So that's interesting because we also know that the skin can also absorb stuff. I mean, it is the biggest organ. Yes, we do sweat. We can excrete toxins from our skin, but we can also absorb. Um, whatever we want to absorb. So we'll be able to absorb um, cannabis through our skin. That's why she makes the, the, the cannabis lotions. So if she has, she's got osteoarthritis, if she gets a flare up of pain in one of her joints, she can just get her lotions that's actually infused with, um, with medical marijuana or medical cannabis and just apply it to that sex section where she's experiencing pain. We know THC and CBD combined is actually good for pain relief and boom, pain relieved, you know? So Joanne states that cannabis saved her from getting a feeding tube and without cannabis, she actually feels full 24-7 coupled with severe nausea. That's a very interesting statement, right? So she states that cannabis saved her from getting a feeding tube. And earlier in this podcast, I did say like when we we're looking at the surgery side of things, like the feeding tubes and all these different surgical procedures, those invasive surgical procedures, they're not sexy. Like no one wants to have a feeding tube to eat. No one wants that, right? And she's stating that cannabis saved her from getting a feeding tube. So obviously, like, like she went through a bunch of medication, none of it worked, and it, it seemed like she was getting to the point where she was considering getting a feeding tube, but then one of the doctors that she went to see just said, no, no, actually try medical marijuana, because she's based in Canada. So they're a bit more open-minded over there about medical marijuana. She, uh, yeah, she started taking it before the feeding tube, and it actually, she, in her, in her own words, when you read her story, she said that it saved her from getting one. And when she doesn't take cannabis, right, medical marijuana or medical cannabis, when she does not take it, she feels full 24-7, which is interesting. So that kind of goes back to the whole munchy side of things that I was trying to explain or talk about. Like my brain was kind of like branching off to earlier in this episode where if there's someone or there was a bunch of smart scientists or medical professional, professionals out there that can actually look at the effects of cannabis on the stomach or the digestive tract or maybe even the brain in relation to triggering the munchies and what actually happens does it make does it make the muscle contractions occur in our stomach so we can move food along or is there something else there that's going on that we're unaware of but according to joanne's statement here someone who's had gastritis she's stating that if she doesn't take cannabis she feels full so it's to me it sounds like if she doesn't take cannabis her muscle her stomach muscles do not contract so food doesn't pass. So she always feels full. But when she does take cannabis, it's, I, I believe she gets, she feels hungry. She gets that, she gets the munchies, she gets hungry, which to me um, signifies that, that her stomach muscles actually contracting, they're moving food along, and then she's getting her signals from her stomach to her brain to tell her that we need more food. The body is like, we need, we need more food, you need to eat, and then she can actually eat. And then on top of that, it also helps her with her severe nausea because she gets severe nausea. So, you know, it's like, it's, it's not a reach to, to believe that it could help, like medical cannabis could actually help with the stomach contractions. We just need to look into that, you know, as, as a collective or, or a, part, a portion of the collective smart enough to actually conduct this 
type of scientific investigation, we need to look into that because here's someone who's saying that someone who's had gastritis plus a host of other um, conditions saying that if she doesn't have cannabis, she feels full all the time. She doesn't feel like eating, which means our contractions are not happening, which means food is not moving. And it also means that any other medication she's had prior didn't have that effect on her. She's only she's only getting that from cannabis. We're at this stage as a, as a collective, you know, as a, as a global com community that where we're seeing it's it's clear as day that a lot of the me medications being made publicly available through our medical system are not as effective as they are marketed to be they're just clearly not and you don't have to get that condition be sick with it whatever that condition is go through that medical system and try out all these different medications empty your bank account to try all these different medications just to realize that these things don't work like there's so many stories out there you know and there's so many that's and it's interesting there's some the studies i find where that the doctors are saying some of these medications that are out there haven't been tested they haven't gone through any trials or anything like that and they're just put out there and there's no and even the ones that have the, the evidence shows that it does not work well for the condition that it's trying to treat. I could start another podcast talking about how a lot of the medication doesn't work and there's all these studies that show that it doesn't they don't work. But that's not the that's not the mission I'm on at the moment. The mission I'm on is to show that medical cannabis actually does work, is a viable form of treatment, and in my personal belief is better than 99% of the drugs out there. Way better. I think that I personally believe and you've heard me some you've heard if you're a regular listener you've heard me say this before that the, the cannabis plant is a pharmacy within itself. I be, personally believe that plant can replace 99.99% of all the drugs we have in our medical system at the moment. It's just, we just need to get to that point where we understand how it can do that effectively as well. Joanne highlights that with that we all have a unique endocannabinoid system and for many people battling with chronic pain and long-term incurable illnesses, the endocannabinoid system is imbalanced, which is very true. I personally believe that too. So cannabis therapy along with diet and exercise can lead to a better quality of life purely because cannabis has, has so much unknown and untapped potential and that's that's including my own personal thoughts as well so where do i land on this all right what are my final thoughts where do i land with gastroparesis and uh, cbd oil and cannabis in general does it work does cbd oil work for gastroparesis i personally believe it does it does of course it does <laughs> all right like it's it's a no-brainer of course it does at this stage i can confidently say that it will help alleviate all the symptoms surrounding gastroparesis every single symptom that is presented by gastroparesis i personally believe that medical cannabis or medical marijuana will alleviate those symptoms more effectively than any current medication um, in the market related to this condition. We just looked at a study where there were patients on previous medication that were getting no results and they got improvement from medical cannabis. And we've looked at an anecdotal story of a patient who was on medications for many years, right? I didn't write about the years or anything like that. You can read that in the story. But she, on many years, she was on all these different medications and none of them worked. And when she took medical cannabis, her symptoms got alleviated or really she got symptom relief. Will it work for the muscle contractions? I don't know. I don't know. I think so. But I don't know. Um, and this is where, if there's anyone in the medical community watching or listening to this, this is what I call upon you guys. Like, this is where you come in to actually investigate this and see if it does work. Because how come, you know, Joanne, if she doesn't smoke or take cannabis, I, I don't know why I always think of smoking, but if she doesn't take cannabis, whether it's through CBD oil, THC oil, vaping, or her edibles, if she does not take it, she feels full 24 seven. 
all, all the time. But when she does take it, then she has no more digestive processes happening. Is there a relationship there with her muscle contractions and cannabis? Do is there a connection there? Which also and, it's, and that's making me think of the munchies. So at this stage, yes, I believe CBD oil and cannab medical cannabis in general will, first of all, alleviate all the symptoms, or yeah, all the symptoms surrounding gastroparesis. And I believe there is some kind of correlational relationship. So there's something that happens with regards to the muscle contractions because it, it doesn't make sense to me why the, the recreational community gets what they call the munchies, the phenomenon called the munchies. And also with Joanne, when she doesn't have her, her medical cannabis regimen in, in place, she starts feeling full because of her gastroparesis where she actually starts getting no more digestive processes or, or, or uh, res not responses, but no more digestive processes happening. She starts feeling hunger when she's taking cannabis. So there could be a relation there. So I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if that's the thing. I, there's no, I don't have any study that points to, to the fact that cannabis can actually help with no more muscle contractions in your stomach. But I believe there is some kind of relationship there. I believe something does happen there. Now, if you've gotten to the to this point, you've got gastroparesis or you know someone with gastroparesis, you may be wondering, okay, where do we, what's the best form of CBD oil I can get? I personally believe it would be a full spectrum product. I understand the relevance for broad spectrum products, but for this particular condition for gastroparesis, I would highly recommend a full spectrum product, even though the TAC levels are being heavily regulated at the moment, which I feel is unfair and unjust. It's a bit criminal if you ask me personally, but a full spectrum product, I personally believe will work. And because we're dealing with, we're dealing with gastroparesis here, we're dealing with your stomach and your digestive uh, processes, I would highly recommend like the cleanest products you can find. Like I wouldn't be messing around trying to get the cheapest product. I know budget does come into play, but at the end of the day, you want to be putting something as clean and pure as possible into your system than something that's dirty and has got like pesticides and herbicides and chemicals that you don't need because your, your, your digestive system is already compromised. So you want something as clean and as pure as possible. That's what I would highly recommend. So a full spectrum product that is third party tested to not just tell you how much CBD is in there or how much THC is in there, but to also tell you how clean their product is to also tell you how you know there's no foreign metals in there either because i hear that you could have actually foreign metals i haven't looked into that side of things yet but there could be some foreign contaminants let's call it that in your cbd oil so you want to have as clean of a product as possible now where you where you could actually go to get something like that at the moment i am working with you know shameless plug i guess we can call it that but at the moment i'm working with a swiss-based uh, manufacturer and specifically to to cater to the australian market right i want to cater to as many markets as possible but at the moment um i'm currently restricted to only serving the australian market and so if that's you if you're listening or you're watching this you're in the australian market or you know someone in australia that you want to actually get some high quality clean and pure cbd oil to that is full spectrum then i have a link you can go to hempnerd.co forward slash amazon au amazon's actually allowing me for the moment to actually sell cbd oil to the australian market so i'm only listed on amazon australia I have applied for Amazon US. It's been 
two, two and a half going on three weeks now, and I haven't heard anything back. They've got all my documentation on my paperwork. Nothing's come back yet. So I'm also in the process of building out my own store. So on hempnerd.co, soon we're going to have a shopping presence or a shopping experience within hempnerd.co. So in the near future, I will be directing you there as opposed to Amazon. And who knows, maybe Amazon tomorrow might change their mind and say they don't want to work with me or my type of business anymore. So I, this is my plan B, which is going to become my plan A to enable myself to serve not just the Australian market, but the wider global market as well. But right now, if you are in Australia and you're looking for a clean product, just go to hempnerd.co forward slash Amazon AU. That will take you to all my Amazon listings. Working with a Swiss-based company, their products are always third-party tested. They do not use any crazy pesticides or herbicides or anything like that to actually grow their cannabis. They have strict EU guidelines like growing guidelines, manufacturing guidelines, because they actually use this. This is medical grade stuff. And they're actually using this uh, for uh, treating medical conditions in Europe and other parts of the world. And in me partnering with them in an e-commerce relationship, it's actually allowed me to, um, to, to make this product available to the Australian market. And hopefully in the near future, I'll be able to make this available to the wider market as you know my, my resources grow. So yeah, hempnerd.co forward slash Amazon AU for anyone in Australia. Uh, for anyone else, you have to do your due diligence, right? You have to do your due di diligence. You have to ask for, because there's a lot of third party testing. The, first of all, you have to be aware that the company does do third party tests. And when they do, you have to ask for those test results. You have to request them if they don't make them readily available on their website. And what you're looking for, first of all, you're looking for the concentrations of CBD and all the other cannabinoids, THC as well. Those are the two main popular ones. And then you're also looking to see if there are any foreign contaminants or metals in there that you do not need, especially for this condition, especially for gastroparesis. Last time I spoke about gastritis. These are things to do with your stomach. Your digestive system is already compromised, so you don't want to add more complication to an already complicated situation. So just make sure you're getting something as clean and as pure as possible. And that's what I look at doing for every, every brand that I work with, every company, any manufacturer that I work with moving forward. That's exactly what I'm doing before I actually make them available for sale. I'm actually doing that due diligence upfront. So when I actually do put it on hempner.co, once we have our shopping experience ready, you already know that I've done this work for for you and it's just you can trust that this work's been done i know you have to do is just figure out which concentration level is going to work for you at the moment we've got 300 milligrams to 2500 milligrams per bottle and i'm reaching out to a few other companies to see who whom else i can work with who can cater not just to the australian market to the u.s market to the european market hopefully you can even cater to the african market as well you know build the awareness and cater to that market as well it may be the asian market if they'll have me whoever will have me whoever will actually enable to whoever will have me I'm here to serve and that's what I'm looking at doing, not just with the information, but with quality products as well. Otherwise, take care for now and I will catch you on the next episode. Peace.